0: And the best part, you can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's TV slash poppods to get 50% off your first month.
1: Hey, it's Mark Striegel, and we're going to get into the Talking Metal podcast in just a second here. I wanted to remind you that I do have some other podcasts. There's the Talking Rock podcast which I do with Joey Haney. There is the Mark Striegel podcast, which I do with Victor Ruiz. Uh, that Mark Striegel podcast is available exclusively to the people on Patreon. And yeah, so if you're interested in hearing that podcast, which is a weekly podcast, it comes out once a week, you can join me on Patreon with a pledge as uh, as little as $2 a month. will will get you in there. And, yeah, it's, it's just uh, I have so much fun with Victor doing the Mark Striegel podcast because it's, it's just raw you know? and uh, off the hook. I probably say things I shouldn't say and wouldn't say anywhere else, but I know it's a small private group that get that podcast, and that's why there's so much freedom on it, and uh, people seem to enjoy it. So I'd love for you guys to join Victor and I on the Mark Striegel podcast. Every week we do that, and that's exclusively for the people who support me on Patreon. A lot of other fun stuff on patreon there you can go check it out it's patreon.com slash talking metal and so this what we're going to hear today is the most recent talking metal live episode now we had some technical difficulties so it was technically live on zoom but the the facebook stream did not work for some reason i'm not sure why but luckily, it was all recorded, and, and the video is up on YouTube right now. You can check it out. We have some great guests, Jeff Pilsen of Foreigner and Dokken fame and Dio fame. And man, I love his new record with Black Swan. It's so good. And we're going to talk all about Black Swan. It is one of my favorite rock records of the year. I sincerely mean that at this point. Really love the new Ozzy. Really love the new Black Swan record. Two great records. So we're going to talk to Jeff Pilson about Black Swan among many other things and then we got dan lorenzo from vessel of light he's gonna talk with us and we end with ryan from ryan cook from gene simmons band and also ace Frehley's band so stay tuned for all that of course ryan was also in what's the uh, hair of the dog yeah so he Good stuff. It was a good episode, even though no one, no one, very few people saw it live. Let's just put it that way. So we're going to try to work out the kinks and hopefully be back live on Facebook this week, trying to get Michael Angelo Badio to join us uh, maybe this Friday. We'll see. Stay tuned. We'll figure that out. All right, guys. So here we go. Without further ado, the uh, the Talking Metal live stream, we'll get into it with some music by Black Swan featuring Jeff Pilson. This is a great tune, Divided Slash United by Black Swan. Starts off kind of slower, but then gets rocking in the middle. I love this song. I love this song. It closes the album uh, by Black Swan, which is Shake the World, a really good release in 2020. Good re- If you like the same type of music I do, you're going to like this record. Black Swan with Divided Slash United, followed by John Astronomy and I speaking with Jeff Pilson.
2: Been given everything under the sun. Mm, guess you want it all before your time is done. Oh, yeah, you'll never see it your own impatience that gives.
1: It is Mark Striegel and John Astronomy of Talking Metal, and joining us here on our Zoom stream, legendary musician Jeff Pilson. Jeff, it is such an honor to speak with you. Always, the last time we spoke was in New Jersey at PNC Arts Center, and was it
2: really?
1: uh, yeah, we wow. had an interview, and that was with I think White Snake and and uh, Bonham that night, and Foreigner. Always such an incredible show, and I mean. At that show specifically, uh, just, I got emotional, you know, hearing those songs that were, there's such a part of my life in in front Mm -hmm. of probably like 15,000 people. It it really, you guys do such a great job at recreating the original sound that, that Foreigner gave us on those records. And Uh, that's got to be hard to do. I mean, there's got to be a lot of uh, detail that goes into replicating that sound. Sure. Sure. And well,
3: I mean, that's our job. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, the thing about Foreigner, it it is all about the nuance, you know, I mean um, it's, it sounds simple to some musicians, but it's the little things that make a difference. And I mean, that's what tripped up. Like when we, auditioned a lot of drummers um the, we auditioned some really great drummers that i know are great drummers um but they for some reason didn't connect with the subtleties and right. and the little things and it's kind of like that to some degree on all the instruments um and the music was very well thought out you know it really was those recordings were not made uh on the fly and real quick <laughs> you know took right, right. a lot of work and they had great people and great producers and um you know we're all fans of the the recorded work and of the band in general so uh we set out to do as good a job as we could I mean we we didn't want to be personality lists with it you know we wanted to let ourselves come through and Mick always wants that from us um but we wanted to stay very true to what we all loved about it and I think I think that's what we do and I'm glad to hear you say that because it means a lot to us.
1: Yeah, and I, I, I sincerely mean that, and I sincerely mean this too. The "Shake the World" record by Black Swan, one of the greatest rock records so far in 2020, and I, you know, it. I started listening to it back a few months ago when I interviewed uh, Robin. And at that time, it was just like the first three songs. I kept playing them over and over again because they were so good. But now I've dug deep into the oh, record. Good. And, good. and, I mean, the way that record closes uh <laughs> so powerful. I mean, it's, well, it's really a good listen all the way through. Can you thank talk you. a little bit about Black Swan and who oh, did the All you
3: want, you? man. I'm still very, very excited about it. So tell us who's in the band with you. Obviously, okay. you and Robin McCauley. So Robin McCauley on vocals. Robin, who you know has been with Michael Shanker forever, and had the Michael Shaker group in the '80s um, and early '90s, um, and Reb Beach on guitar, uh, White Snake winger, um, just a brilliant bunch of guys and a brilliant writer, um, Matt Starr, uh, amazing drummer, uh, Mr. Yep. Big, uh, Ace Freely. Um, he's he unfortunately he came came in towards the end, so he. All he really did was play drums on the record, but he, at least he did a hell of a job of that. Next record, we plan on doing a lot more with Matt because he's a very talented guy in his own right. Um, has an amazing voice, and um, you know, should we ever play live, we are going to have the most frightening background vocals on the planet. I guarantee you. Right on. Matt, um, Matt
4: is so good. He he. Um, Ace has him sing songs like "Beat at Rock Cities, Paul Stanley songs that are very hard to sing, and Matt yes. pulls it off. Oh, well,
3: he, so, I mean, he's. He, I mean, he's truly a great lead singer in his own right. I mean, it's yeah. it's incredible. Um, so that's why I, that's why I do hope someday, someday, so much that you know we can go out and play live because <clears throat> that would just be what a, what a what a rockin' band would be. And like I say, the background vocals would be all the vocals would just be ridiculous. So um, hoping that happens. But yes, Black Swan. Um, It was, it was an idea that kind of was spawned by me having a conversation with Serafino from Frontiers, um, the head of the label. And, you know, we wanted to do a super group kind of along the lines of what I had done with the M Machine the year before. And, um, and I knew I was going to be touring with Reb. So Reb's name came up and immediately Serafino said, see if you can make it happen. So, so I asked Reb and Reb said, does it mean I get to write with you? And I said yes. And he goes, "I'll do it," <laughs> which is so, great.
1: So when you said you were touring with Reb, is this the tour I was referring to? The yes. White Snake yeah. tour. Okay.
3: Yeah, we we were just we were just on that tour when when Serafino approached me about this. So that's when I hit up Reb about it. Um, and yeah, that was summer of eighteen, um, which feels like forever ago. Uh, but um, and then uh, so and once Reb was on board. Robin's name came to mind, one, because Robin's a dear friend of mine, um, and two, because I've always thought he was very underrated, and to give him an opportunity to really shine and show people what he's capable of was um, very exciting for me. So I asked Robin, and Robin, um, when he said yes, I knew we had something really solid. It took us a while to find Matt, but that but we started writing and recording before that, so um, made a lot of great progress. Fairly effortlessly, I mean, put in a lot of time and work, but it was it was all fun, and it all very it was very smooth, and everybody just put in their hundred fifty percent, and I'm just I couldn't be more pleased with the results.
1: Yeah, again, the yeah. album is is "Shake the World" by Black Swan, and you know, the, I mentioned the closing of the album, and maybe it's just everything that's been going on in the world, but the songs like. Unless We Change and and, uh, Divided, United, which has this amazing break in the middle where it just kind (laughs) of shifts gears. Uh, I I, I don't know what those songs are about, but just with everything in the world right now, it almost made me feel like it could be you know, interpreted (laughs)
3: very well well in these times. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you try to write timeless material. That's one thing. I mean, it was, listen, it was, I'd love to say that we were prophets and we knew that all this was going to happen, but certainly we didn't. Um, What we did know is there is a lot of division and there is a lot of reason for needing to change. Um, I think we all agree on that um, to some degree or another. And it was just written from the heart. That was the observations that we saw. um, And uh, we wanted to reflect it in the music. I mean, you know, listen, I don't wanna get overly political with something like Black Swan or overly, overly topical, but it is nice when you feel something really strongly. It's very nice to have an outlet to write about. And, and that just, it all just kind of came out naturally. And uh, like I say, very excited about how it all turned out. So
4: Jeff, I, I wanted to ask you now, did you record everything in your studio? Pilsound?
3: Yes, everything was recorded there.
4: Now I I saw something online where you were giving everybody a tour of the studio, and let me oh, tell right. you, I am a gear fanatic, so you I was in heaven. <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. So I'm looking at all those heads you got behind. You know, those are amazing. And and then you had so many guitars that were great, yeah. bases from the '50s. Like I got a lot of cool guitars, but most of these are like '70s and uh, you know current. Now, one of the things that I thought was amazing was that the Mellotron. Yes. Not everybody even knows what a mellotron is, but a mellotron is a, a full keyboard, listeners, that can do a bunch of different things, and, and you, you know it when you hear it. Now you got a mellotron that foreigner rented off of you. Yes. When, Long when, before I was on, living. like layaway. It was like yeah. on layaway, basically. Yeah. Yeah. How,
3: like, how uh, great for the listeners. Let me see twenty. 20- Twenty-seven years before I joined the band, yeah, crazy. it was or twenty-six, I guess. Um, so yeah, i I was buying I was buying this mellotron from American Music in Seattle, and yeah, of course I was a broke musician, you know. Um, uh, but a big prog guy, and mellotrons are very. You know, they were very, very in vogue in prog bands. They were almost a necessity in a, in a prog band. Uh, and I always wanted one my entire life. Anyways, got this one from American Music, was making payments. And in the summer of 78, Foreigner came through Seattle, and they called American Music because... Uh when the when the plane landed, apparently the box that had their Mellotron in it just crunched it. <laughs> oh and they God. are very they're they're pretty temperamental. You know, they're they're not they're not great touring instruments, to be honest with you. There's you know, the digital replacements of nowadays are, are far better for that. But you know, in the seventies you had to do what you had to do. So, uh, so they called American music and they said, do you have a Mellotron for rent? And they said, well, we do, but we've actually sold it. Let's call the guy and ask him if he'd rent it to you. So they called me and they said, Hey, foreigner wants to rent your Mellotron. Are you up for that? I said, yeah. They said, yeah, they'll get you into the show. I'm great. Cause you know, of course I was broke. So I wouldn't have been able to afford to go to the show. So anyway, um, and yeah, when I walked into Veterans stadium, as I was walking in and this is not, this is true. The truth of the story, uh, they were playing the part in cold as ice that has the strings, which they were doing on the mellotron. So I walked into the stadium, hearing my mellotron over this gigantic PA, and that I was amazing. And it was very funny. And and that's a story that when uh, when I told Mick Jones that he just he couldn't stop laughing. He just thought that was the that most amazing. And it really is. I mean, think of how serendipitous that is. Yeah. Of all the people, I mean, they apparently they'd never. They had had some problems with Melatrons before. They had never just cold called a, a, a music a store music to rent. Store. Right. So, what are the odds oh, that the guy that they would rent from 26 years later would be in the band? The I mean, band. Yeah. that's a pretty <laughs> I cool. Think story. It's amazing, and it what is. And
4: I also think is just as amazing is like you've been in the band for probably about 15 or so years now. Is that correct?
3: 16, but who's counting? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's
4: amazing. Like, and but that's such a great story. And then I'm gonna let Mark. Mark has, like, a, a ton of, like, relevant questions, but <laughs> I love these gear questions. Now, one other thing. I, I want to uh, ask you about that amazing 12-string that Tom Petty and all these other people, sure. like, used to use. And then you finally got it. Want me to go grab it? Yeah, grab it. Yeah, right,
2: that, right I love here. it,
3: <laughs> So, yes, this is a 1964 Fender Electric nice. 12. Wow. And, man. Uh, i'll I'll just put it on this for a second. Um, it is actually the same wow. same not the exact same guitar, but the same kind of guitar that uh Paige played on stairway to heaven, you know at the end. Wow, you know that stuff um, anyway, that is amazing yeah it's, and, and it's just it, such great condition that's what I mean, yeah how do you It's amazing. Okay. I I bought it from this rental place and it was a rental place that I used to rent from a lot in the nineties called Andy Brower rental, great studio rental place here in LA. And Andy just took great care of his gear. He, he found really great gear and I used to rent this, like I say, a lot in the nineties and I would always say, I got to get that 12 string from you. And he'd always say, yeah, you and Petty and Harrison and, and uh, Dylan, they all, they've all offered to buy from me. You know, they've offered, they throw money at me. I'm not buying, I'm not selling. And then of course, several years later, um, he called me out of the blue and he said, Hey, still want that 12 string? And I was like, yes. So I might've paid a little more than market price for it at the time, but it was so worth it to me. It's it it is worth beautiful- it.
4: It's beautiful. It's a beautiful yeah. guitar. It has so much history. Plus, it's going to have more history because you're going to use it on all the recordings that you do that needs the twelve string. Well, I, I
3: have been for years. I mean, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I know on the TNN record, George played it a bunch, and uh, the Lynch Pilson record, he played it. Or I'm sorry, the um, the uh, uh, N Machine record, he played it. I mean, yeah, we've we've used it a lot over the years. That's um, Notice I had to think about which bands
2: I was yeah, in. you have a lot saying. going on. End <laughs> Machine. What well, was the name of that thing
3: with, again?
1: Uh, <laughs> Robert Mason, right, was, did yeah. the vocals on that. It was another great, great album that you did uh, rather recently. Um, yeah. And, of course, we were talking about Black Swan, which is Robin Macaulay on vocals. Now, you worked briefly with him back in MSG, right, with the Macaulay tracker group, right? Yeah, I,
3: I, uh, in 91... James Kotak and I were the bass player and drummer for the MSG record that we did that year. Um, And it was, it was just one of those instant chemistry things. We just, you know, I mean, we'd spend a lot of time just Shanker and James and I just jamming, you know, and it was so much fun because Shanker's so great, you know, and, um, and he was, uh, you know, he's, he's a wacky guy, but I love him to pieces and he's, (laughs) such a great player. And once you get into the playing zone with him, it is, it's, it's not wacky at all. It's, it seems right. You know? So, so um, it was just fabulous. And during the the making of that record, that's when I really became close friends with, uh, with Robin. And um, we've maintained, we remained so ever since I was the best man at his wedding. Um, Wow. And and, uh, so, um, yeah, that was, that was where I first worked with Robin and, I mean, I was just so impressed by him. I, re- I remember when we were recording the record, as we were doing every single take, he would sing full out every time because he wanted each take to have the maximum vocal energy to to spur us on. And it was like superhuman to watch him work. I mean, I was I was so blown away by that. The only other guy I've ever seen do that is Dio. Ronnie, Ronnie used to do that too when we would be doing takes. He would just <laughs> be a superhuman guy back there singing. Um, and Black Swan sounds,
1: you know, on paper you see, you know, Winger, Doc, and these different names, like as as the groups you guys come from. But it sounds more like Dio to me than any of those. Which I mean, you were you were with Dio for
3: yeah. Although for I break. did not invent the Dio sound by any right. means. Um, <laughs> um, at times, at times, especially those first few songs on the record, definitely yeah. have that that Dio vibe. Yeah, and 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 it's funny because when robin sang me the melody for shake the world which is the opening opening song um when he was saying to me i went wow that sounds so much like ronnie he goes really so he wasn't even aware of it but it must have been an unconscious thing on his part um and um i think part of it is just hearing somebody with that kind of power singing heavy but still very melodic yeah definitely you know, and he's got the rasp in his voice. So, you know, it kind of can't help but sort of have a little bit of that going. Um, but uh, it's funny. I, I mean, I, I hear Dio in spots, but I kind of hear um, – I guess I, I guess the whole sound of the band kind of reminds me of a morph between Dio and Whitesnake. And there's kind of like a morph yeah. of all those kind of things that um, – I mean, honestly, we didn't even really set out to do anything but, but create – good songs and and we kind of stumbled upon a sound while we were doing it and that's pretty cool
1: and you know your time in Dio you you did a lot with him you know going all the way from like what ninety ninety three 93 through through like 2004 yep. um are there any completed songs in the vault that have haven't been heard from your time with Dio
3: um I'm, I'm completed songs I don't think so okay um I still have a handful of tapes, but uh, the last time I checked they were all stuff that did actually end up being finished. I know that there is unreleased deal music that exists and Wendy is working on trying to put that into, um, you know, trying to kind of save the files as they were because they were in an early digital stage that he was doing. you know so this would have been after master of the moon he was writing some stuff um with uh Craig Goldie and i know that they saved it on some digital platforms i know she's working on um actually she's already started working on it so it's going to get saved and at some point that stuff will come out um i've only heard little snippets of it um but i got to guess there's some great stuff in there
1: yeah anything that Dio's involved with is, is usually great. Um, and of course last in line, uh, was kind of Dio's band. that got back together in more recent years. You produced two great records for them. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Vivian said he's already thinking of uh, a third record for last. Oh in yeah.
3: Line. No, no, They've already started writing. They, um, I'm not going to be producing the next one, okay. but, um, I just talked My to question. Vivian the other day. He, uh, he um no, they've got six songs uh they actually started demoing them. Um like I think it was in January or something, January or February. Um but they didn't get to finish it because this whole thing happened. Um but yeah, they've already started writing. They're, they're I'm sure i I know looks like they've got um I know they've got some offers from other labels, so I think have a feeling something good will come along and a great third record is probably on its way. Awesome.
4: Jeff, I wanted to ask you when did you start getting involved in the the recording process, engineering, gear, like back in the old Dockin' days, were you, like when you guys recorded, were you involved in that or did oh, yeah. this happen gradually?
3: No, I've always loved it. I've always loved it. Actually, and it, it, it's odd because when I joined Dokken, um you know, for one thing, they made it very clear to me that they wanted... To use my musicality you know they oh, good. They, good. they had heard demos of stuff you know I submitted stuff so it wasn't just about playing or stage presence it was it, it and singing they, singing was a big deal right but but they wanted they wanted the whole package you know and and that's one thing why I, I always try to explain to people as many ego problems as there were in docking where one thing where ego just did not um, stand in the way was when it came to really dealing with songwriting and everything, everybody was encouraged to put their input in. Nobody was stepped on ever. It really was. It was really, from day one, they made it clear to me. So, and, you know, I think I've I've told the story many times. I mean, the first day George ever came over to my house, the first day, um, I'd probably been in the band a week or something. I don't know. But anyways, he came over. We were going to go do something. And he walked in the door. He saw my guitar. I had a little guitar sitting on a stand. He picked it up. And we wrote a song, first day that first we right, ever, I don't think it was anything we ended up keeping, but but we might've come up with a part or two that did. But I mean, that's how instantaneous it was. That's
4: great. That's yeah. such a cool thing yeah, to and, hear, you know, uh, especially uh, with with everything that people might think about the, how the inner workings of Dokken was. The, the cool <laughs> thing was when it came to the music, you everybody was encouraged to do their thing and what i think is great is that that part of what you brought to it was your expertise in the studio
3: well and and that's one of the that's one of the uh, the other bizarre things is you know when we got to doing the tooth and nail record which is the first record i did with them of course um we had you know the the writing pre-production was very good uh but when we got in the studio um you know the uh producer that we had did a couple songs with don one of them was a song that ended up not making the record and we ended up rewriting years later but anyway um but uh but we um but he but the the producer came to me at one point he said you know what you deal with Don and he wasn't even there when most of the vocals for Tooth and Nail wow. were recorded it was just the engineer myself and Don wow. and um and it was when i think back and again you think about we're supposed to be we were supposed to be these weird ego guys they were extremely inviting to me, you know, to let me do all this stuff. I mean, you know, Dom, at the time, Dom was already considered, you know, a, a pretty cool producer around town. So he could have, he could have told me to go screw myself, but, but he was like, <laughs> he was just very, very, he wanted somebody to, you know, to, to yeah, bounce that's, off of him. That's
4: so cool. I, I mean, to me, that's so cool because I, I you know, I, I hear stories so much about people fighting in the studio and, and just, you know, wanting it their way. And the fact that Don, who was already, like you said, an established producer around town, just was, to you, a newer guy, go for it and let you do produce all. Basically, you produced the vocals on that record.
3: Basically. I mean, for the most part, yeah. And I mean, uh, it was, yeah, like when I think back on it, it's just very odd how much he trusted me. Um, and, and, you know, we were, we were happy. We knew we were getting good results and he knew that I was a hard worker. And I, th- I think that kind of made a, a, a difference too. Um, but I was just soaking up things like a sponge because, you know, we were working with an engineer that had recorded, you know, queen and the cars and, you know, journey wow. and all this stuff. So I was, so amazing. yes. And, and I befriended him, did a lot of drugs with him too, but, <laughs> but, um, but we, uh, but we became very close and I just started learning so much. So from now on, I mean, on the Underlock and Key record, um, I probably produced a couple of the vocals, but Neil Kernan really did most of them um, on that record. And certainly on Back for the Attack, but by Back for the Attack, I wasn't in the studio as much when Don was recording um, his vocals. Some, but not, not all, not like with Tooth and Nail. Tooth and Nail was the one that I really kind of had to, you know, but I, I will, I wanted to do it. So it was great. Um, but, uh, but I was totally involved in all aspects of the studio from day one. Cause I've loved it. I've always loved it. And, you know, producing was always something I wanted to do.
1: And Jeff, <laughs> before we let you go, it has been 20 or I'm sorry, 35 years since under lock and key. It's the tour I first saw you on, uh, opening for priest the the turbo tour you guys were out on the road with them uh any any quick memories you could share about that record the going into the studio to produce it uh and, and work on it
3: yeah um you know I, uh we were we were feeling pretty strong at that point you know tooth and nail had gone gold so we still didn't feel like you know We knew that Motley and Rat, you know, were selling more records than us, and so we were still pretty hungry. Um, And the work, the pre-production work for Under Lock and Key was really strong. I mean, we had really worked on the writing, um, and everybody was really, really there, very present for the the pre-production and the the recording. Um, And it was fun, uh, very, very productive. Um, And then I just remember, when we got really into the trenches of working, I, you know, like I'll never forget the night that um, we did the vocal to the song that never saw the light of day, but the song called under lock and key. And it was, it was the music that became unchained the night. And Don had done a whole vocal with the song under lock and key, you know, something that he pretty much wrote. And we got, you know, uh, we did the vocal. Uh, in fact, I think I was there for that or at least I came later or something anyways, but George came in later, I think it was after Don left, and he goes, wow, man, that's just not happening. I'm like, yeah, you don't think so? And he goes, no, man, we gotta do something. And I lived not far from the studio, so all right, let's go to my house. So we went to my house, I remember we stayed up all night, and um, by the end of the night, we had written Unchained the Night and uh we were very excited about it so in the next morning you know we were still up but um, the next morning we called the producers and we said we got to go in and do a scratch on this song real quick and like we, we rewrote it and like okay so we went in and i did a scratch for it um and then we played it for don and don was kind of you know reluctant at first but then he was like yeah it's better it's better. <laughs> right. Wow. And, and so he had to sing on Chain the Night, which, and I was so impressed with how well he did that. And um, just, I mean, he, he really owned it, which is, <laughs> which is pretty amaz- amazing. Now, was so, it
4: just you and George doing the writing at your house or was Don there too?
3: Yeah. No, no. It was just George and I. Um, wow. So we, yeah. Cause he and I wrote Actually, by the end of the day, he and I wrote the whole song because we had already written the music. Um, There was a couple of spots, though, like the Neva was part of his, part of his under lock and key song. So... That somehow, because the song was called Never Unchained the Night, so it somehow worked to keep the never in there. So, There's a couple spots from the original vocal that were kept, but um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, things like that, with, same thing kind of happened with It's Not Love, although It's Not Love, we always knew we were going to write the vocal too, but um, it was just magical and and it all it took place at my apartment and i remember it very well and i remember same thing happened we called him up and said we got to do a scratch and this time mick was with us to do the scratch and um so yeah fun times man it was really fun
1: and it's so fun to hear the stories you've told me in the past about you know fixing your sprinklers with dio and all those (laughs) all the time we love hearing the rock history from a true legend Jeff Pilson, Thank you, Jeff, for all the great music through the years. And uh, like I said, I've interviewed an, you a number of times in person, and my fingers are crossed that the next interview we do will be soon and in person again. Yeah. In and good. I'm going to
3: come too. I'm going yeah. to come too this time. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, I'm, me Jeff too, Morgan. Thank yeah. you, guys. Uh, always, always appreciate being here. And yeah, let's hope, let's hope the, the world of concerts starts up again starts soon. Back up again. Yeah, and absolutely. Jeff, thank you Stay so safe, much for Jeff. doing this. Thank you. We really appreciate My it. Uh, sorry about the technical issues, and uh, right. we hope to Have see me. you soon. Thank you, guys. Talk hope to you soon. Good. Stay healthy, Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, you too, Jeff. Thank you. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, Jeff Pilson of Dio, Dockin, Foreigner, Black Swan. That Black Swan record really is good, John. Um, yeah. So we are right now waiting for. I'm getting dozens of texts here from people saying we're not live what's going on i know i know we'll just have um, to uh maybe i'll
4: try it again i'll try it yeah, again i
1: guess it, maybe as as if you want to oh there's dan i can start things off I with i think
4: dan we
1: got dan right. hey dan Dan's yes. Right. Yes. So, you, dan yes yes how are you good we sorry we Great we you, uh, got started a little late today uh due to some technical issues so uh we, we we're only, not live uh, five minutes a,
4: Oh my god, Dan, that is amazing. <laughs> Dan, I love it.
1: Mark, you couldn't see it? No, I I did see it. It was awesome. I yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. The talking metal shirt. You guys can hear me okay. I just got a weird yeah. note saying my my mic my mic stopped, but uh...
4: Dan, I love that uh, video that you sent me of you guys doing or Vessel of Light doing the Black Sabbath cover. That is yeah. amazing.
5: That's, thank you, John. That's our new video, Wasp, you know, we just put it out for fun, being as uh, everything is pretty much shut down. We, we released that after we released our third album, Thy Serpent Rise, which came back out in April. And we were actually doing shows when this whole lockdown happened. We were doing like a little- Right, door- up, to the,
1: right up to the cusp of the Unbelievable, of the yeah. You guys were out there gigging in, in New Jersey. Yeah.
5: Yeah. yeah, and New York, and people were, you know, I wasn't, can you hear me right now? Yeah, yeah, okay. okay. You know, I was shaking hands like this on the first night. It was, uh, we played uh, the Brighton bar down the shore and people were still like going to shake my hands and hug and kiss. I'm like, no, man, not now. And then, and then people, like the, the next night, people started talking like, oh, some people aren't going to come because of the coronavirus. I'm like, oh, great. And then the next night, it's like more people saying that they're afraid. Oh yeah, like you, like you, Mark, right? <laughs> yeah, that was me, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. So at least we got in a couple shows right before the whole shutdown, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and you told me some amazing news. Like you said, I mean, your third album just it recently came out, but because of this, yeah, there we go. The Serpent nice. Rise. Um, because of this, The Ice Serpent Rise, sorry. Um, there is new material in the works, right? Can you tell yeah. us about what's going on with new Festival sure. of Light material?
5: So, the first time I ever did this was Woodshed, then I did it for Thy Serpent Rise, and now I did it for the first album, I mean, for the the fourth album. What that is, is record all my guitars first to a click track. I had never done that before until Woodshed. You know, being as Nathan lives in Cleveland, you know, we don't jam, we don't rehearse, but now, even though Jimmy Shulman and Ron Licknicky are in the band, so the way I do it is, um, recorded 17 songs for the next record, you know, to a click, just me and my guitars in a click. Wow. And now... Ron's come in and recorded drums to, I think Ron did 15 of the new songs. And Jimmy and Nathan are finishing their parts. They're going to go record next month. So, um, if it wasn't for the coronavirus, I'd be playing basketball every day and there wouldn't be a new VOL record out until like January or February. But now we're so far ahead of schedule. I mean, I feel like I could release the fifth album next year, but we'll release the fourth one probably in September or October, at least digitally wow. and on CD. The vinyl probably won't come out until January, but, you know. So was-
1: potentially two two Vessel of Light albums in one year. I mean, that's 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 like well, back exactly. in the 70s. Remember like Led Zeppelin <laughs> and Kiss,
5: they would release hey, that's album, <laughs> two albums in the same year. Yeah. Nathan and yeah. I met the first time three years ago, the end of this month. So we really, we're going to finish four records. Wow. we almost be finished with four records since we met three years ago.
4: That's amazing. Like, that's now, Dan, when did I, okay, so I saw Nathan when I was in Ohio last year, right, and then, right. and we hung out at an Ace, the Frilly and Laker gig, and then I saw you guys at Dingbats.
5: To come see you play.
4: No, 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 I, I saw you guys at Dingbats, but then I came to see Vessel of Light at Dingbats.
5: Oh, I didn't know that, I don't remember that. Yeah. Are you sure?
4: I'm positive.
5: All right, all and
0: right. right. And
4: I, brought, I brought the drummer from Like It, Mike and I got Finn, and we totally saw Vessel of like That was that Dingbats, right?
5: We did play Dingbats twice, yeah. Like a three, it was doing
4: like a three show thing. You had know, like one in yeah uh, Jersey, one in Connecticut, and maybe one other game
5: somewhere. Yeah, we played the New England Doom Fest the New England Stoner and Doom Festival. John, your, vo- your voice is dropping out a little bit, Mark. You hear him, all right? Can you hear me? Hello?
1: Yeah, yeah. His, he's, he's, he's fading a little bit. Yeah, John. Okay. Just to make sure you, you. Okay. You not sure what's the uh, story on that, but the- yeah, um, yeah. It's just really, really faint. I'm not exactly sure what happened, John. But yeah. Uh, so. Dan, the, the direction of the newer material similar to what we've heard in the past? or you-
5: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you always want to be diverse. I'm definitely doing some things. Like I wrote a song uh, a few weeks ago that didn't have an augmented fourth in it, which was really like pretty uh, amazing for me. <laughs> right. uh, I wrote a few songs on this next, next record that aren't even really tuned down far, like the E string is D, which for me is not that far tuned down. And um, there's some songs that are definitely a little bit like that approach the five minute mark where almost everything we've done to, together so far as Vessel of Light is three and a half minutes, three minutes, four minutes tops. There's a couple songs on the next record that are, you know, at the five minute mark, but it's really heavy, really angry. You know, I mean, I don't think anybody's gonna be shocked, but there's a few things like I wrote this um, riff and I said, you know, I was trying to map it out to the, um, to the click track and Ron Lipnicki tell me, oh, it's 6-4 timing. I'm like, oh, all right. I didn't even know I wrote in 6-4 timing. So it's wow. it's really exciting. It's, it's great. I love it. I'm so happy with the band, you know? And do you envision
1: then more gigs in, in when things clear up in 2021? Yeah. Like, what, what are you thinking?
5: Yeah, we were supposed to play five shows this month. We were supposed to play the uh, Maryland Doomfest. We were going to do a little rundown in uh, Delaware uh, with Blackwater Rising, Brooklyn, and uh, Jersey again. But uh, the Maryland Doomfest... Uh, was for June 19th. So obviously that's not happening. And that was postponed to like the night before Halloween. And I'm starting to worry that even that's not going to happen now. So whenever we're allowed to play again, we'll start playing again, you know? John?
1: Uh, yeah. Oh, I don't know. I, I guess we can't. I don't know what's happening to your mic, John. You're you're fading. Not working at all. I mean, it's just very, very quiet. But um, yeah. So when you look back on some of the, your entire career, are are you more excited? It seems like like you're really, really excited by the Vessel of Light stuff. And I mean, yeah. you've had some amazing stuff that you've done in the past, like The Curse with Bobby Blitz. And, you know, uh, I was a massive fan of nonfiction and of course the Hades. But is theres there... Is there an excitement, a fire in you with of light that you maybe didn't have
5: with some of your other projects or is that a little, I mean, I feel like I found the perfect writing partner with Nathan, but also I guess I never expected to do this. I mean, when I discovered ancient wisdom, I guess it was about three and a half years ago. Um, I, I hadn't played guitar. I'd only play guitar in the winter for, you know, occasionally play along with some old kiss and Aerosmith records, ACDC records. I really wasn't trying to be in a band. I guess, the last Haiti show we did was in Germany with Twisted Sister in Queensryche in 2010. We played the Bang Your Head Festival. I think we did one show the year after that, but um, I really just was, wasn't even playing guitar. I had a bunch of riffs laying around, which eventually became the first vessel of Light EP. Um, I wrote a couple new ones when I met Nathan, but yeah, I can't tell you both. It's, I mean, like John, you know what? You were out of it for a long time and then you get back into it and you're obsessed with it, you
4: know? Yeah, yeah.
5: Can you guys hear me now?
1: Perfectly, perfectly. Okay, good, good. Much, yeah, much better, much better. Um, so that that would be amazing. I mean, we're we're hoping that everything kind of returns back to normal sooner than later. Uh, you know, I did see you're in the tattoo business too, which I wanted to mention. Yeah. Tattoo parlors, June twenty second in New Jersey. Yeah. Any any comments on that? Uh, any
5: thoughts about that? Well, uh, my wife calls them Overlord Murphy. You're allowed to do pretty much everything else. You can go in the street and riot, but you're not allowed to have a one-on-one you know, session in a tattoo shop with masks. It was all very confusing. And it seems like there's one set of rules for certain people and another set for others. So, I mean, they initially didn't even say tattoo shops were going to be open in the first phase of phase two. I don't know why they have so many different phase. Fa- I mean, they have so few phases right. when they seem to be, it's just ridiculous the way they do it. Um, so I know. yeah, tattoo shops. I work for a company called Painful Pleasures. We sell tattoo supplies all over the world, and uh, tattoo shops have always been a really safe place. You know, even I got a bloodborne pathogen test a few years ago, and I realized how much safety is involved in the tattoo business. So it was kind of silly that certain things were open and tattoo shops weren't. But like you said, June twenty second, uh, they reopened in Jersey. So that's great.
4: Now, Dan, I wanted to ask you since we all live in Jersey, and I've been to your place. Are you going out and doing your normal business? I mean, not work, but like going to the store, you're wearing masks or gloves or what, or um, you know, what, what are you doing? Because I'm, I'm at the point, I'll tell you what I'm doing. I wear the mask, but I'm, I'm not concerned that I'm going to get coronavirus anymore. Whereas right. at one point, I was heavily concerned and I had gloves and masks and everything. Now right. I don't even yeah.
5: Yeah, the same as you, pretty much. But, you know, obviously, you know, we can't play shows. We couldn't have band rehearsals. I, I stopped playing basketball, which I love. And now it's just... Right, people- I know,
4: Dan, you love playing basketball.
5: Yeah, and there's people playing hoops. But um, my wife and I, Gina, we're leaving for Key West a week from Sunday. I don't want to get sick before them. But now, John, like you right. said, I mean, a month and a half ago, I was literally picking up apples in my Uncle Giuseppe's with a, a Lysol wipe. You know, like I was really... Yeah. being crazy about it because the media tries to, that's the job, it's scary to get good ratings. And, and I, you know, I believe the disease is real. When people say the whole thing is a hoax, that's not true. But, you know, the percentage of people who um, have it and will never know they have it, if you add that into everybody they tested, the mortality rate is probably under 1%. And I know anybody who dies is sad, but, um, I can't tell you. I honestly, like, I'm going to shed a tear if a 103 year old person. Wait, 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 does.
1: 1%. It's like 4%, though. I've I, I heard it was
5: 5.5 in New Jersey. But if you added all the people who are asymptomatic who never got tested.
1: Hang on
4: for one second,
1: guys. Yeah.
5: Uh, so, go ahead. Yeah. But yeah, I,
1: well, we, we don't, I, I personally, yeah, I mean, I'm, we've emailed back and forth. I think Governor Murphy's doing right. an awesome job with this. Really? Person. I think he's doing I incredible. Um, he's really? Going to Florida, yeah. a, a state where it's still going up, like up and up. They announced today some of their highest uh, yeah. levels. So I, I just think, John? <laughs>
5: <laughs> Sorry, it's been, it was all right.
1: been a Complete disaster tonight. Technically, that's okay. Um,
5: what a uh, Lakers shirt are you wearing? Is that Kobe?
1: Uh, no, it's it's James, LeBron James. Um, all right, let's pick it up. Speaking speaking of, uh, you just mentioned the, the shirt I got on the Lakers shirt. Have, have you seen? I know. Do you watch? You play basketball,
5: but do you watch basketball? Not anymore, right? Yeah, I do. I used to watch the Knicks. I used to be the biggest Knicks fan, and I'm so disgusted with them. You know, it's just like they've been so bad for so long, and their owners, you know, I don't know if he's doing the wrong thing. He picks the wrong people, that's for sure. Um, You're wearing a Lakers shirt. I really didn't like when Phil Jackson came here because I'm a big Jeff Van Gundy guy, but I haven't been watching a lot of the Knicks even before the coronavirus
1: well, the the documentary on US, uh, on ESPN, the Last Dance, you should check that out. It's it, we we I, we watched it. It was just it was so whether it. you like the Bulls or not. Oh yeah, the, an amazing, amazingly yes. really well done uh, documentary.
5: Yeah, I loved it. I watched every episode, and I I respect I respect Jordan more than ever after watching that. Like I know he said he thought he came off bad, and people were getting mad at him. I like him more, man. After watching that, I thought the whole thing was amazing.
1: Right, right, yeah, me too. He he, they did a great job with that. And when you look back on pre Vessel of Light material for you, because there's like like I said, there's been a lot of it. You've had your solo record. Hey guys, I'm back. Your uh, stuff with Hades and nonfiction. Which releases, which albums specifically rise
5: to the top as some of your favorites? I would say uh, the cursed room full of centers with blitz, nonfiction in the know, and Hades the downside. Those would be my three by uh, my other projects, and of course, all my solo albums got to go right now. Right. Yeah. Those three.
1: How many solo albums? Three. Three solo. Three. Yeah. Yeah. Three. Right. Cassius. You, You know what? Yeah, Cassius King?
4: Go ahead, (laughs) Mark. I was just going to say, Dan, I think of... You probably wouldn't think of this. This is just a personal thing between us, but because of the Cassius King album, I think of you all the time, because for some reason that phrase, Cassius King, and then the way you spelled (laughs) it on the record comes into my mind. So I'll be walking in the New York city subway and I'll be thinking Cassius King, Dan Lorenzo. So like, you might not know this, but there's somebody thinking about
5: your album and you all the time. <laughs> Thank you, Johnny. I mean, you wouldn't know, you don't respond to my text when I released. I'm good now. Don't I respond now? I respond now. Oh, now, now that you locked Back in doors for 24 hours ago. up with the,
4: with, too much in an overhaul. I hear you. But hey, you got I me backstage for Ace
5: Freely. I won't forget that, so don't worry. Okay. <laughs> and, of course, I tell you, it wasn't a record, but the damn Screaming Metal video I told you I watched the other night, those two shows were fun as hell we all did together. But we
4: did great. I, I would be willing – I mean, I, not. I mean, God, I'd be willing to beg you to do another show with us. I mean, like, uh, I, I loved playing those gigs. So you, you, know, you put a band right together,
5: Mark to play on my right hand, I can't pick down fast anymore. I, I was doing push-ups for about a year and a half, two years straight, and my right wrist still prevents me from playing a lot of more up-tempo songs. Thank God I, I play in a Doom band now, you know?
2: <laughs> well,
4: well, we can but it work was- it out, so we'll, we'll work it. I'll pick the, the faster parts. You, pick, you can pick, like, okay. slower.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, Dan, no, thank you so much for checking days. in with us. Where's the best place people can get on, uh, in touch with you online?
5: Oh, just my website, danlorenzo.net. If you want to buy the Vessel of Light CD, Dice Serpent Rise, you can buy it from my website, Amazon, iTunes, Amazon Music, CD Baby. You know, it's pretty much everywhere. So I'm hoping people check out Vessel of Light, Dice Serpent Rise. I know you guys have been big supporters, and I greatly appreciate
1: Yes, yes, and and for the podcast version of this, we can play a song right now. So, what song would you like to play for the? uh, Uh, Why don't
6: you uh, play
1: uh, podcast version? Russia Blood would be nice. Russia Blood by Vessel of Light here on Talking Metal. Dan Lorenzo, you're welcome. Anytime, please come back soon. Love the guys, love the music, and thanks for consistently you know, giving us so much good music through the years. Yeah,
5: thanks guys. Great talking to you. All right, be safe.
1: Tell Tina we said hello.
5: I will, thanks, Johnny. See you, Mark.
2: Bye-bye.
4: to Dan Lorenzo and to Jeff Pilson. And right now our next guest is the one and only Ryan Spencer Cook of all my favorite bands, the Ace Raleigh band, the Gene Simmons band, Air of the Dog, Big Rock
6: Show. <laughs> How you doing Ryan? I'm so happy to be here. I can't stand it. How are you guys? We're good, Ryan. <laughs> We're so doing nice to meet
1: you. I've seen you play live with Ace a number of times, and it's uh, it's nice to finally talk with you. Let's uh, let's start off with with you two guys. Where did you first meet?
6: Do you remember, let's see, It would have been, a, I'm going to say it probably was on the Kiss Cruise or Kiss Convention. Right, John? You know what? So I would have normally guessed that,
4: but it was Jeremy, I think, or... Phil, who said that we met first in in uh, Saint Paul, Minnesota, at the Matter event. Remember that? Now that was a charity event that That's you right. guys did. You played in the stadium with Gene Simmons. You guy uh, was uh, Gene Simmons' band, Cheap Trick. Don Felder of the Eagles, which you were the backup band for, Flip, a bunch of great bands. That's right. Uh, and then Ace joined you guys. And so that's when I, I first met you, according to uh, those other dudes. But real quick, before we do that, I just got to tell you, I see Kiss in 1974 in the background there on your TV. You see that? <laughs> yeah, you do. You
2: that's do. great. So yeah, anyway, we mentioned actually- at the matter
4: <laughs> event we met at that matter event. We had a great time. Uh, tell everybody about that, and then Ryan, I want to get into a lot of stuff that I heard from the other guys about how you put all of this together. But let's. Why don't you share your
6: memories on the matter event? Okay, first of all, on the uh, the matter event was so great. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we've been playing with Gene for a long time. At that point, well, not a real long time, but the cool thing was though was. Being asked to do for the, to play for this event, uh, Gene told us, he said, You know, guys, uh, there's a really good chance that Ace Frehley's gonna come join us tonight. And Philip and Jeremy and I were so thrilled about this and loved the idea. And it was so awesome. And little did we know or remember, we had to remember it was basically that was the first time in 13 years that Gene and Ace would share the stage together. As and as Kiss fans, it was amazing. You were there, PJ was there, and it was such a great night. And we had such a good time. And everybody just kind of got together to try to make such a good night happen, which was awesome. And the cool thing was, though, as Kiss fans, like all of us are, everybody wondered how it would be for have those guys, to, to have those two guys together, and you representing Ace as you did. And PJ was there as well. Um, It was just so nice to know that those guys picked up exactly where they left off a long time ago, just being in the same band together, which I loved so much. And to be able to do uh, songs with Gene and Ace together was just, I mean, come on. I was high-fiving my my eight-year-old self the whole entire (laughs) night. Yeah, yeah. No, that was an amazing experience for
4: even me just being on the side of the stage when, when those guys were together on stage and and you guys are yeah. so good uh, and everybody knows this, but just in case anybody who's watching this is, is not aware, um, you know, the, you, Jeremy and Phil are, are an amazing combination. And uh, Thank you, you. you, you know, you, uh, these guys came in, Ace came in, no rehearsals, no anything and and you guys just knocked it out of the park. Right. And it really was a baseball Thank park. You. And uh it was just a great gig. And and it was. That
6: brings me what you know how great was it? How great was it that we were in a baseball park that night with Cheap yeah. Trick. Thank right. you. It was great. Yeah. It was amazing. It was a dream come true for all of us who,
4: when we were kids in the 70s, that would have been our dream gig to go to. Kissing Cheap Trick.
6: Absolutely.
4: So and for- then the what people really don't even know is that the very next night you guys did it again in a private place, which is really in an airplane hangar. And, and, you know, you guys were playing with Don Felder of the Eagles. I mean, like amazing people. Um, just to see everybody there together at the time. I mean, it was a great time for music. It was great time for the matter charity. Everybody should look that up. It's called matter M A T T E R. And we just had a great two or three days together and it was cool, so I'm gonna turn yeah. it over to Mark, and then uh, I'm gonna come back and ask you another question.
1: Okay, great. I, I wanna ask you about your history and, and who, some of your influences besides Kiss sure. growing up, but before we get there, what is, you play in Ace's band, you play in Gene's band. What would you say are some of the major differences between you playing in those bands, and what are some of the major similarities?
6: Sure. I'll start with the differences. Um, I'll tell you this immediately. I love both of those guys so much because of the of the uh, opportunity that, that, that we've had. Um, Gene, I'll start with him. We could do anything we wanted on any given night, meaning if it was Chuck Berry, if it was uh, Dynasty, if it was Unmasked, if it was whatever, we would go, hey, Gene, will you try this? And he would go, he never told us no. And he would always say, I would like to, well, what? I'll, I'll try it. I'd like to, okay. <laughs> he never told us no. I love that. Difference with that Ace, oh, God, are you kidding me? Difference with Ace was we were very sea biscuit. Okay? Right. Meaning that it's right. it's Ace right. had something cut good. and dried that we would start, we would learn, we'd figure it out. Every once in a while, we would change a song. But Ace was very much a creature of habit. As to where Gene was not and would do something different every night. I loved it both ways because, number one, I'm going to tell you guys something that you both understand. Uh, my friends and I got to play with half of the original Kiss lineup. It's amazing. Right, amazing, right. Uh, I'm going to tell you that we're not more important than anybody we never have been. We never thought that. But I will tell you, I know a million people that I don't even—I'm aware of a million people in the world that would love to play with half of Kiss. Right. And I love that so much, and I'm so grateful for all that every day, all the time. I love it. But the it, thing you know, was, it was, really was so-
4: what's really interesting about that, and, and coming from a person who's who's been with you guys on the road. One would think that it, you know, maybe for the casual fan, you might think it would be the opposite. You might think that Gene is the straightforward guy; he wants everything a certain way, and that Ace is sort of like the maybe you know the guy who's having a lot of fun on the road. But it's the opposite. Gene right. was the guy who was willing to just say, "Oh, we'll try a charisma tonight, or we'll we'll do uh, uh, some oh, classics, yeah. your song," but. And, and but it was so Gene was willing to just kind of go for it, whereas Ace was more structured, oh, exactly. which is not ace's sort of kiss reputation, so that was pretty cool,
6: exactly, yeah, what what a neat oh, thing completely completely, no, the whole thing with Gene was we would try everything all the time, we would start something and then a, and in a verse, and he would stop it. uh, Ace was like, nope. We're going to do what we know and how we know it. We're going to be great and do that whole thing. And let me tell you something. Man, we have, like, lived and loved every moment of that whole scenario of Gene winging it and Ace not winging it. I mean, come on. You're playing with half a kiss. And that's, like, (laughs) the the biggest thing. Like, I I high-five myself, my 10-year-old self, all the time. It's and, so awesome! Uh, you I it. love both of those, those guys.
2: And yeah,
1: speaking of your ten-year-old self, Ryan. Speaking of your ten-year-old self, what what other musical influences were hitting you at a young age besides Kiss? Besides Kiss? Besides, have, Kiss,
6: you know right? what? I'm going to tell. I'll, I'll tell you something that was crazy. Is uh, you'll think this is weird, but it is true. I always had like an obsession with like um, synthesizer noises and stuff like that. So when I heard like the the horn on the beginning of running with the devil. I was obsessed when I heard the siren on the beginning of riding the storm out obsessed. I loved all that stuff. It was crazy. I loved stuff like that. I just was like, always, I but as a kid, like I love Neil Sean. I love Neil Sean. I love Gary Richrath. Right. Uh, fast forward, you know, Man, I can remember, like, buying Skid Row record the day that Slate of the Grind came out. and It was debuted as number one on the Billboard charts when I was living in Florida. Is, I was 20 years old. You know, it was just like, man, my, my musical spectrum goes so far and swings back and forth so wide. You know, uh, you, I mean, run, Craig Ross from Lenny Kravitz's band. Craig Ross from Lenny Kravitz's yeah. band is, like, one of the baddest motherfuckers on the planet. Yeah, you know, I love, I love, yeah. I love, I love when a city influences a player like a, like a New York guy, or whatever. So, man, I'm all over the place. You know what? I, I love Marty Robbins and country music. I love the whole thing. Yeah. Hey, uh, you mentioned
4: Gary Richrath. Um, he there was a certain burst that he had that was called the Richrath burst, Les Paul that was considered one of the best guitarists, and I loved it to yeah. hear you mention him. And I, I swear, I was just talking about him. The other day, and, and what 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 made you like him? Because I, I, you're one of the first people that I
6: because need, he was be he was the he was the king he was the king of what I kind of consider the pentatonic, major minor pentatonic guy, and you can sing. His solos were a song within a song. Kevin Cronin was so great at constructing yeah. a beautiful melody, and as the minute you heard it from a friend who. All of a sudden, Gary Witchrath had a guitar solo that complimented that so perfectly, and was so awesome, and such a great guy. And man, I I hate that he died tragically and everything, but man, that fucking guy was so cool, and the way he wrote a guitar solo and everything, it was just a good guy. It, I, I, and I, I never really, like that. yeah, I never told this
4: on Talking Metal, but the REO uh, Speedwagon was literally one of the maybe first few concerts I ever went to because they came to my hometown of Johnstown, Pennsylvania. So I've been a yeah. fan of theirs forever. And I, I the first time I did, I, I had a chance to say hello to him. And that was an honor for me to do that. Good. Um, Good. Now and you by mentioned,
6: the way, sk- uh, by the way, Oh, go ahead. Skid row. No, no, no. Go, you go. No, I was going to say just real quick. One of the other great things is like, uh, whenever you get a chance to watch anything about REO Speedwagon and listen to them talk about the times when they, were so struggling so hard but then they looked at the hotel room hotel room window one day and saw people lined around the block that's why we all play guitar and I just love stuff like that and it's just like a really really good story they were just like a really good band no doubt about it and you mentioned Skid Row now Ryan uh, you played some gigs with Skid Row right a little bit they're friends of mine and it's uh you know a Known the guys for a long time. We went them because we opened for them. Um, adored the band a long time. Big Guns is just fucking nuts. <laughs> yep. I mean, Jesus Christ. Right. What a great opening track for a, 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 a debut album. I just love it. And I love the guys. And I've been around them forever. They're good dudes. And, you know, so overlooked is something like the last record that had, Beat Yourself Blind. And just... <laughs> Come on. I mean, we're all hard rock fans here. John has seen your band a million times. We've all been influenced <laughs> by it. Excellent.
1: Absolutely. I, I'm a massive fan of that first uh, Skid Row record. Such a great yeah. record. Oh, my God. It's exciting. just nuts. amazing. Sebastian's vocals, amazing. Uh, just really a, a great yeah. combination. of so makes much sense. good stuff. Yeah. Really works yeah. well. Um, Ryan, so so you're a professional musician. You've you've had a lot of just amazing moments. Besides, you know, being on stage with with Ace and Gene at the same time, literally. What are some other career highlights for you?
6: Uh, I'm going to tell you one of the one of the biggest things that I love so much was just you know growing up in a. It's funny I grew up in Topeka, Kansas, which is right in the middle of the country. Right. So I always tell people I up in Central America because <laughs> it's Central. Yeah, Central America. <laughs> <It's> America. <laughs> right? I love it. So anyway, the thing was, though, was, man, it was just so much growing up wanting to do something and, and always reading Hip Rader and Circus and everything and, like, w- w- looking at my favorite bands, like your Zeppelins and your what- whatever's and the whole deals. and <laughs> Cheers. You know, you're... I like that. Here, cheers. Hey, cheers. Skid yeah, yeah, gotta,
4: yeah. Bring that back. Let's do a toast. I am gonna do a toast. a toast. It's actually it's a margarita. Right.
6: Hey, can I show you my friend who's here real quick? Hey, yeah, wait for yeah. a moment. Skid Row's here. Look. Hey, how are you? What's going on? <laughs> What's up, dude? <laughs> how are you, guys? <laughs> but anyway, uh, we were talking about, like, favorite memories and the whole deal. Man, it was just growing up there. It was I was always in trouble and I was in trouble because of the sense, because nobody liked what I was doing and everybody that said they supported me. I understood that they had to say that, but I knew what people said behind my back. I knew what people said in front of me. I knew who was true and who wasn't. And man, the whole thing was like, I was just always on point to be a guy in a band and I always wanted to be a guy in a band. And leaving where I grew up and moving to another city and the whole deal, it let me, it let me just be reinvent myself. And I think that you guys have done that too. Uh,
4: It's just. Well, Ryan, the one thing that I want to say in front of you and it, because everybody, you know, everybody in the business side of our team, our teammates knows this at team gene. But uh, And and Jeremy and and Phil both told this story before. But you're the guy who made this happen. And the big thing is, is that you're the guy that Gene Simmons, the person that all of us, I don't know anybody who doesn't love Gene Simmons. Uh, Gene Simmons, who only likes and respects a certain type of a person. Right. He respected you enough to say, Ryan, put together a band for me. And just go for it, and you did, did it, and and You're right. how did that even happen? Like, tell her, tell that story because I think that's amazing. I'll, I don't know anybody else that can say that in the entire world that Gene Simmons says, "I want me a band, and I'm going to trust one guy, Ryan Spencer Cook, to put that band yep. together."
6: Yep, and I think tell you for recognizing that. I I, I thank you for recognizing that. What happened was uh, Doc McGee asked me to be on the Kiss Cruises, and we were on all of them. And then Gene would watch every night that I played with my band. And uh, what happened was, and I'm giving you the Reader's Digest version because I don't want to bore everybody with everything. But what happened was he goes, listen, you've done great here. I like what you're doing. Any chance that you would want to tour with me, and if you would, could you put together a band? Again, I keep saying this over and over, and and it's it's retarded. But I high fived my ten year old self so hard, yeah, I couldn't stand it. And when I walked out of his after at lunch that day, I was standing about two feet taller than right. I normally you did. should be. And you and I. On the same page about Kiss and everything, and having that happen was just such a great moment. It, it it was it was like that whole thing where I had a I had a football coach when I was a kid that always told me visualize what you want and make it happen. Man, you guys, you, you have no idea. You guys, all I ever wanted in my life was to be my band to open for Kiss. That's all I ever wanted. Wow. That's all I ever wanted. And it didn't happen. And, you know, but, so I but was what okay with that. what happened is but even was... almost better than that. Yeah. Because you played well, you with know half what? kiss. And, guess and you what? still do. And guess what? We ended up playing with half of the original kiss. And all I'm right. going to tell everybody that's out there right now. <laughs> It's just like what a what a dream and what a and what a good thing. And I'm just so thrilled. And and by the way, I know a million people that like text me and reach out to me on a daily basis and everything. And you guys, it's not lost on me ever. I am so aware of how great it is to play with the guys in Kiss. And it's two of them. And I love it and I appreciate it. And I'm never, ever, ever going to pretend for a minute that it doesn't matter because that's all I ever wanted in my entire life.
4: Absolutely. And Ryan, now I want to ask you about Hair of the Dog. And I know you guys have something new out that includes um, a new 2020 remix. Tell us about the newest Hair of the Dog and everything that's going on with that band, which is you're the well, I was
6: Sure, sure. So I was in Hair of the Dog forever, and uh, Desmond Child actually talked to me in Nashville, moved me out there, got me in the band. Uh, so what happened? Here's the redesigned version. We put out three records. And now what happened was um, everything, all the, uh, now that everything's done, all the rights have, or have come back to us. Cool. So now everything's available again on iTunes, Spotify, everything, the whole deal. And you can, everybody can get it now. And um, it's just, we're happy to re-release everything. And I want to tell you all that no one knows this now, but I'm going to say it, it's going to be available on a double gatefold uh, vinyl version. That is amazing. Um, That is, we love that. We we love that. We're we're thrilled about that. So it's great, but no man, Hair of the Dog was, you know, 10 years of my life. And uh, we're thrilled that it's coming out again and can't wait for everybody to hear it. It's great. We love it. it I can't wait today. to get the gate
4: full. I can't wait to open the, pull the plastic oh, you're out open that up and look at it. That's, that's what we loved. And I know you loved about look about going to the record store and buying a physical record back when we were
6: absolutely, you know, younger. <laughs> absolutely. I love it. Yeah, it's great.
1: And, and Ryan, where's the best place people can get in touch with you online? Is there a, a
6: website, social media page or you know what? Uh, I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, on Instagram, it's Ryan Cook 1969, and on Facebook, it's Ryan Spencer Cook. Also, we also have a new hair of the dog page, which honestly I can't remember the name of right now because it just was launched you today. You've gotta search
2: it.
1: We'll, we'll find
4: it
2: out. Yeah, we'll figure and it out. Post and- this,
1: we'll put the we'll put it in there. We'll put it. Yeah, and dot com. We'll put that in the show notes for today's episode, yeah. guys, and. Ryan, I, I wish Gene would – I know, you know, we're in this weird time where there aren't a lot of live shows going on, but I wish he'd do more shows in the New York City, New Jersey area because I don't really feel – I know you did one out in Long Island with him, but I don't think – correct me if I'm wrong – That he's played New Jersey or, or New York City.
6: It's been a while. It's been, you know what my dream is? I would love if we did a Beacon Theater. That would be amazing. Oh, that's a great, yeah. great venue. Right. Yeah, It would
1: be absolutely amazing. And I, I love that you, you pull out, that you guys talk to Gene, you get him to do some of the off-the-beaten-path tracks. Uh, yeah. I was so excited when I saw yeah. the video of Charisma, you guys rocking yeah. that. How about, here's a couple. Oh, How about Tunnel of Love? I would love to hear that off the uh the song. Oh, I love it. Betrayed is always a good one. Off oh, I love Betrayed. betrayed. Um, those are two that I'd love to see in the in the set list. I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm for like a you with Ace. Oh, I saw you do with Ace. You played the whole '78 solo record here in New Jersey. Yeah, I would love I yeah. would love Gene to do that because I, I, I was a massive Gene. fan of the the uh, the Gene Simmons solo record. You know, "Living in Sin."
6: Oh, this, I love it. I'll, drink, tell you so, I'll tell you something. Any, time I wish want to, to hear it all live. Yeah, I love that. And I'll tell you something funny about Gene. Like if we were to say, uh, Gene, hey, let's do the whole uh, solo record. (laughs) He would go, well, you know, I think it's a little bit too poppy. (laughs) Really?
4: (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. That would be wild. I think that would be hard to learn. I mean, those songs. There was so much different styles, you know, different material on there that I think, as a musician, I would be like, "Oh my god, this is a challenging project to learn that whole record." It's a great record, but it's to me, it would be hard to learn all that stuff.
1: You guys are so good that you can learn. If you look at the guests that were on that record, it's like. Chuck oh, Khan, no. Cher, Joe Perry, Rick Nielsen. I mean, it's like a Is Helen
4: Reddy on that record.
1: Who remember
4: Helen Reddy? Possibly. I think it's seventy. Yeah,
6: yeah. That was a great record. I love it. Ryan, I think it's all good news.
4: Yeah. So, right now, what's up for you in the the next? I mean, okay. You, I'm, I know you saw the. Uh, here's what happened today. I post a uh, link, uh, or I shared a Facebook post. For I shared Ohio it. show, I shared it. yeah, I and shared you shared, it. yeah, and you shared the post, and then it went crazy. Uh, Rolling Stones uh, saying Ace really banned to uh, come back out in August. So the the what everybody wants to know is this really happening? And uh, I think both of us
6: are saying we hope so. Right, you know what, John? I have always um, been glass half full. Right.
1: Right, I, I will always remain great. to be
6: glass half full. I hope so. I would love it. I want everybody to be safe and be okay. It's an outdoor but show or indoor show? Indoor. I have no idea. Indoor. Yeah, I have no the, idea.
4: The, the, so there's two shows in August. There's a, a place in near Pittsburgh called Jurgles in Warrenville. It's really funny, Warrendale, PA. And the reason that's funny is that the next show is in Ohio in Warren, Ohio. So Warrendale, okay. Warren and uh, they have nothing to do with each other other than, uh, they're close to each other. Um, both are indoors. Um, the Warren Dale gig at Jurgles is more of a, a club. Um, almost like what I would say, Mark, you know, this Mexicali live. Um, I'm trying to think of, uh, Ryan, how to explain that to, to you. Basically, uh, Mark, how would you explain, uh, Mexicali live to, uh,
1: uh, yeah, a club that holds, I, I don't know, probably get a couple hundred people in there. Well, and- they, no, that I, think, I
4: think, I think that, I
1: mean, just the vibe. It, it probably holds, oh, like, the you maybe yeah. thousands of people, maybe 1,500
4: people, 3,000 people. But it's more of like um uh like a, a, you know, not a theater. Whereas the place in Warren, Ohio, is a full-on theater. Um, yeah. Like Got many it. of the theaters that you guys, like a Beacon Theater. Ohio's a Beacon Theater. Um warrendale is a a club really nice club, almost like joe's live in chicago similar to that okay got it sure yeah so both of these are indoors the thing that's um and mark it was my fault that i kind of threw out mexicali live (laughs) so mark mark gave the right description of mexicali live and it was my fault that i threw that out but the uh the thing is is that um Here's what's happening. We don't really have the details from Jurgles in the Pittsburgh area in Warrendale, but the people in Warren at the Robbins Theater have really uh, put out some information that was uh, you know, shared on the internet today about what they're gonna do and what they plan to do to protect the fans and the band. And let's hope that that it happens. And, and, you know, we, of course, want everybody to be safe. I think you guys are eager to get out there. I'm eager to get out there. I know Ace is eager to get out there. But,
1: you know, we just got to make sure everybody's safe.
2: Absolutely. Agreed.
1: Absolutely. Agreed. Cool. Well, uh, Ryan, it's been great hanging with you, talking with you tonight. Thank you for joining the stream. Always. And Always. we guys. will have this up in podcast form. It'll be audio only. And then we'll also be posting the video of this to youtube.com slash talking metal. We encourage everyone to subscribe to that page. I love it. And then once
4: it's on you, once we get that cleaned up version of this, it's going to go back on Facebook as well, because uh, normally, as you know, we do this live, something changed today. And um, I have a feeling that uh, we use zoom. Of course, a lot of people are doing zoom meetings. I have a feeling that something changed between zoom and Facebook and that prevented us. From going live tonight, we've went live for the last several weeks with no problems, and then today suddenly uh, it doesn't work anymore. So we're going to figure that out. We're going to clean this all up. It's going to look great. And Ryan, we thank you so much for coming on with us. Um, I I respect you so much uh, for for everything that you've done, and I I know how hard it is. And and believe it. One thing that we didn't mention is that not only does Ryan you know, musically direct, he, he plays, but he's also a tour manager in itself. Uh and and when he's out in the road, he handles a lot of those duties as well. So um, Ryan, and you've done it with Gene. I mean, you've handled all that stuff with Gene. And and I know you you um you know what you're doing, and I respect you highly. Thank and you. uh I'm super glad that we're buddies and I can't wait to see you on the road.
6: I love it. That's very really kind of you, and thank you, because you know what? We, we're all good together. No doubt. We're all good together, and you've always been so helpful with me, and thank you, guys, and I am so happy to see you guys. Thanks for having me on the show. I love it. Have me back, okay? We will. We will have you back. <laughs> when, we, when we figure out how to get this to go live
4: again, we're going to redo it.
1: I, maybe I shouldn't <laughs> say this, Ryan, but I got to tell you one thing I like about you. Okay. You come on here, you're doing shots, you're hanging with us. You wouldn't yeah. believe half these dudes come on here, they're like, let me uh, go get my non-alcoholic beer and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. like, what the hell is this? Uh, you know, Bellini, we're I got, all, about, we're all about having a drink. Yeah. Dash yeah. vodka. I'm drinking, know. and I got to say I this:
4: I'm it. drinking dash vodka out of uh, a vodka bottle cut in half. How cool is
6: that? Bud Light. by my I'm my, my uh, cousin heart. Hank Reeves. I yeah. love it. Thank you guys. Thanks, Ryan. Ryan. You, you I know stay. you guys. Cool. We'll see you on so, the road. Right, that, that was Rachel that going... That was Rachel Bowen? He was. He left. He left. Oh, tell,
4: tell him we said hello. How about that? We had an appearance of okay, Rachel Bowen right. and Skid Row.
1: Yeah. It was awesome. I adore you guys. Take care, Thank Ryan. We'll so see I'll you see soon
4: to the brother. next one. All, all, all
1: right. I'm going to call him to the next talking about a live uh, stream.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, tell okay, him, him right. me. We'll,
1: we'll have our act together by then.
6: Yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> see you later. Die. Bye bye. Bye, Ryan. Right. So, John, oh you know who
1: else I want to get on the stream? Uh, Ann Bolin, right? Uh, Simon Wright's uh, girlfriend from Hellion. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. we should so definitely I, get her on. I, I,
1: we should get Rachel Bolin. We should get uh, Ann and Bolin? Anne. Bolin? Yeah. Bo- Bolin, Bo- Bolin. I think it's Anne Bolin. Is that what it was? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, we should get her. Um, yeah, it's, it it does suck. I I'm, I'm I'm literally getting dozens of people saying, "Where is the stream?" Cause I yeah, I know, I know. I wish but, we could just put this out, but if there's that phone call in there, that's
4: no good. Maybe I can quickly try to edit it and just put out a stream once it's done. But I'm not even sure, uh, and we'll edit this out. I'm not even sure actually how to do it. So here's what happens when we stop this, which we should probably stop. Uh,